stuck in our homes But you're not alone Our slotted feet and knees Where should the breeze COVID-19 has you down Down So stay with us and hang around Until it all works out Hi, I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. Happy Wednesday. It is Wednesday, my dude. Yes, it is Wednesday. Hump day, as Kara likes yes. to say. I know, she posts those on Facebook. It always makes me giggle. Yes, she really <laughs> likes that Geico ad with the- Oh, uh, good yeah. night, big fish. We're recording, Kara. Oh, <laughs> Kara was just going to talk to her fish tank for those who heard that. That's okay. what she was doing. Are you recording with people? Yes, oh, I'm so recording I'm... with Peggy right Hi, now. Peggy. Hi, Kara. Yeah, she is out of the hot box. Okay. <laughs> no, you've screwed it all up and we're not starting over because it's nine o'clock at night. Everybody, yes, everybody will hear it now. <laughs> you are you are part of the podcast, Kara. Well, stop talking. <laughs> How was your day? My day was fine, thank you. Um, okay. Yeah, started early, had my meetings with Europe um, first thing, um, and then just a busy day, a lot of prep um, mm -hmm. for, for our meetings, and then a lot of planning for the last day of meetings tomorrow. So I'm still going, I still have some work to do after we're done. It's like, as I just said, it's about nine o'clock at night. Um, I did take a, about almost a three hour break just now to watch Hamilton with um, the entire family on, on Disney. And um, I had not seen it before. I, I knew what it was about. I've read the biography on which it was based. Um, and my general impression was there were parts of it that were almost transcendent, that were amazing. And there were a lot of parts of it that I was just like, eh, eh, I get okay. it. It's a very, but it, I mean, the, the, you know, incredibly talented group. Do you of people think that it TV. just didn't translate to film? That it would be different in person? I think any, I think any show like that is far yeah. better in person. Far better. I mean, just think of all of the, all of the shows that have found their way into movies, mm -hmm. like Rent, um, and uh, I've seen Jesus Christ Superstar on stage live, and I've seen it obviously when NBC did it a few years ago and being there in person and seeing the actors doing it in the moments in front of you is incredible. It's that's, what's amazing about theater. Yeah. You can't replicate that through a screen. There's just no way to do it. You can sit there and be really amazed by it and moved by it at some level, but it's not as visceral an experience. All right. So, yeah, well, I, would have liked I, have not, I have not watched it yet. Um, you know, I, I had queued up to watch it and bought a projector and screen and right. Room it all went and, to hell. And then, yes. And I just, I haven't been able to get my head back in the Hamilton game, but I'm thinking maybe this weekend I'm going to hit it up and, and give it another go. Yeah. It's funny. The stuff that I liked the most is the stuff that's probably the most kind of traditionally Broadway elements of the show. Like less of the the rapping more of the singing just because you can just see the talent uh, right. of these people is just and i'm not saying people who rap aren't talented i'm just saying that 
just the pure voice control and all the stuff that I really am drawn to is amazing. I will, I'll, I'll give you the heads up. King George, you're going to mm -hmm. like King George a lot. Okay. King George almost seals the show. So, well, I will, I will report back after I watch it. Cool. So, so last How night we got that? a bit of a surprise last night. Uh, Scott's school board met and voted uh, on their plan for next year, and he is now 100% virtual. So he wow. is home longer. I know that's that's how I felt, but yeah, I don't know. I'm conflicted. I'm like I'm I'm happy that that I in my view, I mean Manassas is still a hot spot. That's where his school is. The, the rates in Manassas are like out of control. They did the math and one out of every four is people in the city of Manassas have or have had COVID. I mean, it's just going crazy in there. Um, so I'm glad for that, that he's going to be able to stay out of that hot zone and keep the family safe, keep sheltered, you know, keep, we're, we're still, you know, living the social distant life, uh, not doing anything. On the other hand, I look at the calendar thing. You're still gonna be here. <laughs> yeah. Did good, they, did they but, articulate the reason behind it specifically? Is it something unique about that patient uh, student population, uh, or was it just more generic? We're not doing it. Uh, they, I mean, they had a long debate about it, and they just don't feel like the schools have the bandwidth to be able to adequately social distance safely. So the yeah. schools are already overcrowded. Kids are already, you know, learning in trailers and Scott didn't have enough desks in the classroom for all of the kids to begin with so the ones who were late had to sit on the carpet on the floor right yeah. I mean you can't social distance in a situation like that no and this is a public school he's part of public school yeah, yeah. city of Manassas it's it's yeah. an inner city school so it's it's not as affluent as others uh, but what what they do have in their favor is they received a grant I think three years ago and every student has a laptop through this grant. So mm -hmm. all of the students are queued up with the technology. What I'm concerned about is the access to the internet to be able to do these things because we had some issues in the spring where Scott was really trying to work with students on how they're gonna be able to even submit these assignments because they didn't have internet. Right, and they can't go to the local library to use it. They, they can't go to the local library to use it. The one girl was sitting in the uh, sitting in her car in the parking lot of the Burger King trying to get onto their Wi-Fi. Yep. You know, but but that's not feasible for for you know adequate true lear virtual learning. I know what true virtual learning requires in terms of bandwidth and in terms of attention and supplies and things like that because Robbie has been doing cyber school. This will be his third year. Um, and I know that I, I, I am concerned that some of these students are not going to be properly, you know, have the correct materials for it. Yeah. But, you know, they did leave it open that it's, it's kind of in flux that they're doing virtual 100% with the option to be reevaluated and the students brought in when it's safe. But that has not been determined when. So in a related vein, we just got a notice from Jackson's College today um, or university saying that um, they will be 100 per, they, they will be open for in-person um, in-person teaching um, for anyone who wants it. But what they've done, right, is they've said 
you can opt into 100% on campus, you can opt into a hybrid approach where it's some on campus, some remote, or you can opt into 100% remote. And clearly what will happen with that is some, you know, some students are gonna take advantage of totally remote mm -hmm. and or hybrid, and that's going to decrease the number of people physically who will be right. on campus at any given point in time. And that's how they're gonna try to socially distance everyone. So, um, you know, so it'll what be is interesting. He do? I don't know. Um, honestly, Kara and I got the email and haven't even spoken about it with him yet. I'm sure he got it, but he he's, you know, a 19-year-old and 19-year-olds yeah. don't use email. So right. he doesn't check it regularly. So I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he's thinking. Yeah. Is it, do you, the way that they presented it, is it something that they're able to change midway? Like if he started in person and started to feel itchy about people not wearing masks or things not going right, then can he just assume the online or does he have to go through a whole process? My operating assumption is that there's gonna be some level of fluidity, especially for yeah. people opting out. Opting in, I think will be harder um, okay. because my guess is they're gonna plan for, all right, this many students at any given point in time will be on campus based upon what happened. And if people wanna scale back from that, and just go to remote, I would think they would allow it. I cannot, you know, the content has to be exactly the same. And I'm assuming right. they're just live streaming all the classes mm -hmm. um, if you if you opt for the remote um, approach. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that there will be some flu, I would guess that there would be fluidity on, on backing out. And the reality is that if things get bad, if there's a second wave in New York and it gets dangerous, they're gonna do exactly what they did to Jackson in the middle of first, uh, second semester. They're just gonna say, everyone mm -hmm. go home. Take your yeah. stuff, get out, and we're going to continue remotely because now we know how to do it. Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think, you know, I, I'm certainly glad I'm not on a school board. I know your dad was superintendent, so he's probably glad that he's retired at this point. Because these are, spoken to him these about are it, tough yeah. decisions. I think that they're, to me, they're less tough if you... They're only tough because of the politicization of so many of the ancillary issues around it. Um, right. And and I think for public schools in particular, um, th this is not a political issue. This is a practical issue. It's when you've got parents who work and met, you know in most parts of the country, at least one parent is working, often both. Um, if they're two parent homes, and if it's one parent homes, their parents are often working. Um, then having the kids at home full time, particularly if they're, you know, it's first, second, third grade, everyone knows that's not feasible. You can't right. do that and uh, without a support system around you. So I understand why there's the pressure to get it going. Um, but the flip side of that is you, you can't put people at risk. And, I, and to me, the, the governing principle has to be, first of all, keeping kids safe. If you can't keep kids safe and by extension their family members safe yeah it's to me it's a non-starter and i and some may say that's overly simplistic but if you know if the parent dies because the you know they're unhealthy and susceptible and have comorbidities and the kid goes to school and the parent dies that's a far worse situation than exactly. trying to figure out how are we going to deal with the kid who's at home while the parent's trying to work yeah um, so it's there are no good solutions here there are just less bad ones I don't have a lot of, um, I, I don't want to say compassion because I do, so that's the wrong word, but schools aren't babysitters, right? 
I, they were not designed to be babysitters. So using that to me is is not a strong argument because the schools were not designed to be babysitters. My husband is not a babysitter. He's an educator. There's a difference. Um, I know that it's going to put a lot of families, that there's going to be huge issues and a lot of things are going to have to juggle. I think that a lot is going to fall on the employer to allow for some flexibility and to allow continued telework or changing hours um, and maybe change the way, the approach that people take to their jobs. I think yeah. that right now, this is a time that every sector in this country really needs to come together and figure out, all right, if we're truly a community, how are we gonna make this work? Yeah, so. totally agree, totally yeah. agree. I mean, there are certain types of jobs that you can't work remotely if you work you know, in the food service industry. Right. And, you know, clearly you can't do that from home. Um, but any type of knowledge work can be done in at least theoretically from from anywhere. Right. Um, so it, it's obviously industry dependent, too. It is. And I know that it's already starting to crop up the karate studios that are now offering, you know, virtual schooling options that your child can come to the dojo and you know, we'll keep them safe and they'll do their lessons here and you can go to work. So I think that a lot of those things are going to start popping up, but that's going to put an expense on parents. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a hard situation all around. Um, I don't mean to oversimplify it because it's certainly, it's not something that I know anybody takes lightly and it's going to have huge impacts on thousands of people. Um, I know that this community is going to be really struggling because of it. We're very, very fortunate that I work from home and I've worked from home for a long time. So this really, the impact on this is I just have my husband home all, all the time now, which is, yep. we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but um, other than that, we don't, we're not going to have the hardships that I know a lot of other families are going to have. So just hope that everybody can remain kind through this and try to keep it as, unpolitical as possible and and really just you know this isn't a republican issue or a democrat issue this is an infection issue and this is we all really have to work together to get no through question. it yeah no question yeah. and um i you know I, I know people on both political sides of the aisle who once they experience it um look at the situation exactly the same, which is, this is really dangerous. Yeah. And um, I, I, you know, I think some people just get locked in ideologically and they make it an ideological issue. Um, but I was just talking to someone down in Texas who I know is more conservative than, than I am, but they, they asked, did you see the video of the, of the kid down in the 30 year old um, down in uh, San Antonio who, uh, intentionally got COVID, went to a party with mm -hmm. the intent to get COVID and died. Yeah. Literally drowned in his own fluid, yeah. you know, basically, because he had respiratory, mm -hmm. acute respiratory issues and basically said, you know, I, I made a terrible mistake. Yeah. You know, I guess I shouldn't have done this. And he lost his life, 30 yeah. years old. And it's, you know, it can hurt anybody. I mean, it, it obviously affects elderly people much more severely than young people, but that doesn't mean that young people are immune from this. 
or that young people aren't going to bring it home. There's a story about a high school student who had been social distancing and, you know, wanted to go hang out at his friend's house and his mom does the same thing I do. I'm sure Kara does too. Make sure you wear your mask. Okay, mom. Okay, mom. I'm going to wear the mask. Went to the party, you know, hung out. I don't even think it was a party, but just hung out with friends. Ended up taking the mask off. Ended up coming down with COVID. His father got it. He's in the ICU for now two weeks. Every yeah. member of the family sick. There's I a mean, story out and, here in the county that I live in. Um, there was a, a party with like, you know, 100 people over July 4th. And they figured out now 30 people out of that party got sick. And they have passed it on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and they've seen they've seen a statistically significant jump in COVID cases from this single event. Yeah, uh, it doesn't it just doesn't take that much. And uh, unfortunately, just knowing the psychology of people, um, it, especially because it's summer If this if we were going into the fall and the weather was horrific, this yeah. wouldn't be quite as difficult. The fact of the matter mm-hmm. is everyone wants to be outside. All the kids are home. They want to be hanging out. So it's a and perfect you have that, form. You have that mentality that outside is safer. Yeah. That, that the fresh air is, is healthier, uh, but not when it's COVID air. So. Yeah. Speaking and, of COVID, there was a topic that you mentioned we had gotten some uh, questions about that we wanted yeah. to cover. Yes. So uh, we received a few emails um, and messages through Facebook with people asking about the mass coverage and the ADA, is it really covered under the ADA that you don't have to wear a mask if you have asthma? Does that mean that you can just say, my ADA rights are that I can go in this store? Now, in in full disclosure, I don't think that the people who wrote to us are the ones doing this. I think that they're, because I know them, um, I think that they're more kind of annoyed that people are using the ADA in this way. Um, So I brought it to you and you can put on your legal hat and. Give us the answer. And and I'm not going to give a bright line answer, but there's a few few aspects to this. So one is, um, and I think you and I talked about it on a previous podcast, but we have seen situations in the last uh, month or so where um, there are these, quote, cards from a an organization that positions itself as uh, a real organization, um, which give the cardholder. And, and by the way, the way you get this card is by asking them to send it to you. So you get the exactly. laminated card saying- Or you download it and print it yourself. <laughs> yeah, so there's a card and it essentially says, um, if you force me to wear a mask, um, you're violating uh, my rights under the Americans with Disabilities Act. It misspells the Americans with Disabilities Act on the card and it threatens criminal, uh, civil p- fines against anyone who seeks to enforce. Um, now. Simply having a card that says that clearly does not give you any legal right to assert that you are not subject to uh, to mask requirements in government buildings or private businesses. Um, you know, government, the government and private businesses do have the right to assert measures to keep people safe. The real question, and I think that the harder one is, what happens if you have someone who does have a legitimate medical condition. And I think the first question is, does it actually qualify as a disability? And I, I, I am not 100% clear, frankly, on whether or not having asthma or what level of asthma you have to have in order to say that is a disability, nor am I clear on the science around um, wearing a mask if you have asthma. Um, right. I think 
my general impression of asthma is that should only be a real issue if you are actually having an attack, at which point presumably you would take off the mask, you would use an inhaler, and it would resolve. Um, but as an example, someone with um, COPD, um, you know, just chronic pulmonary disease who needs oxygen to uh, literally to, to be able to breathe. I can see where that would be problematic with a mask. The mask goes over your nose and you can't get the oxygen to your nose then. And I think that's that's an example that in my mind probably pretty clearly is a legitimate basis for saying I shouldn't have to wear a mask. I also think that is a very small percentage of the total population. Um, you know, That's the question, also a really good reason to stay home. Yeah, I mean, anyone uh, with COPD. That kind of lug issue that you have require external oxygen, you might want to reconsider going into, you know, the Walmart or whatever during a pandemic. Yeah. Anyone with serious medical conditions right now, I, I think most people with really serious medical conditions who have any understanding of what's going on are staying at home. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got multiple comorbidities, you can't be out and about because you now you really are taking your life into your hands. Um, you know, the question of, I, I will tell you, let me, let me flip the script a little bit and just talk about it from the perspective of somebody who's responsible for a bunch of O&P clinics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if a patient just comes to us and says, I can't wear a mask because I have a medical condition, from my perspective, we do not have an obligation to just say, okay, come on in and we'll right. work around you because you've said that. Um, I think we have an affirmative obligation to our own employees and to any other patients who are going to be in that facility to make sure that they're safe. And um, if we have a relationship with a patient and know that they have some sort of chronic condition, my suspect, uh, you know, we, we give our local markets the ability to make decisions. And my, my, my guess, and I think this is logical, is if you have someone who really is in that condition, one, we, we try to catch them before they come into the facility at all to let them know these are our requirements and hopefully they're raising the issue beforehand so that it's not happening in the parking lot as they're walking in. Um, and, you know, if, if there are accommodations to be made, you know, we, we were just talking about this yesterday, Peggy, as a leadership team for our company, we were saying, you know, if someone refuses to wear a mask, isn't it reasonable for us to then insist that they put on instead a face shield? So it's not a mask that actually covers their nose and right. mouth, but it's a face shield that goes between them and our staff. And mm -hmm. I think patients should be prepared for that. We, the, the obligation we have as an employer is to not discriminate on the basis of a disability and to make sure that if someone does have something that we believe qualifies as a disability, that we make reasonable accommodations for it. That's the legal requirement. Um, and, um, you know, I would like to think, and I think certainly from what we've seen from the limb loss community, uh, people aren't, for the most part, trying to game this. I'm aware of one example at one of our facilities where we had a patient come in and was taking a political position. And our staff actually spoke to this person and said, we need you to, we need you to understand what we're doing is trying to protect you and us. Mm -hmm. And that's a mutual relationship. It, this has nothing to do. We respect your right to be free. We respect your right to assert the right not to wear a mask. But if that's your position right now, because there was nothing clinically that prevented the person from wearing it, um, we said, you know, we can reschedule at another time when you're more comfortable coming in and, and we're not requiring masks. 
and the person was actually quite reasonable and said, okay. okay, I get it. I hadn't thought of it that way. Donned a mask and we had a successful appointment. Um, okay. So that's, that's how I see the issue. I know that's not sort of a clear cut answer, but I don't think there, I, there's a lot of guidance out there. You and I were talking about it last night and I was sharing some of what the website said with you. Um, but even even that stuff, I just I don't see a lot of dispositive guidance. I see a lot of sort of theories and general statements about these topics, and I, I think like everything else, let's just try to be reasonable and um, and um, not dogmatic about this stuff. Right. I like it. Thank I hope you. that helps people. And if if people have questions, Peggy, um, after hearing this and wanna and wanna bounce stuff off of us or share experiences. Where should they go? Peggy at ampedlife.org, or you can hop onto our community, ampedlife.com. Awesome. Cool. All right. All right, Dave. Go Good keep working. I will. Bye. Thanks. Bye. We're stuck in our but you're not alone. First, let it feed it.